Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there, over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Well, if you were with us last week, you will have noticed that that is the same passage that we were unpacking then. In fact, we're taking two weeks to go through this one because it is a really significant passage, not just in this uh, book of Genesis that we're going through, but actually it helps us to understand some of the big themes in the Bible's story as a whole. And so we're taking two weeks to really uh, go into it. We've, we've called this series uh, Reboot because we've come to a moment in history, I suppose, where we've started to look forward, look forward, I suppose, to the post-pandemic world and the opportunity that that affords us. I mean, even this week, things have changed. Perhaps you have been out at the shops or meeting people outside or in restaurants or outside in restaurants or having a haircut. I'm not quite got there yet, as you can see. But things are changing. Things are starting to open up. And so, in some quarters, perhaps, there is a, a little bit of maybe optimism uh, creeping in. Maybe the, the, the um, things changing to be a bit more normal is a cause of celebration. Well, I mean, one example of that, I suppose, with the, the government's uh, plan for growth is called Build Back Better, which I suppose speaks into this, the, the idea that there's an opportunity to do things better going forward. And I suppose perhaps, although that can be, uh, we might see how that might happen on an economic level, the question remains, is that really something that is possible on a more human level? In terms of us as a society, is achieving something better than before actually something that is realistic? Perhaps even the most optimistic uh, amongst us are going to, having been had their op optimism in check by the constant reminders, I suppose, in the, in the news and around us all the time of the human struggle, the human condition, the strife and animosity that there can be uh, between different people. And we have many different reminders of that all the time. Reminders of the racism, perhaps, that's in society, whether that's on social media or whether that's police officers on trial for murder. 
We have seen examples of violence, violence perhaps uh, against women specifically or the violence that's on the streets in, of, of Northern Ireland in these past few weeks is incredibly worrying uh, as well. Is there, when we think about these things, is there really any hope? Aren't these the same problems that have happened in history again and again and again? What hope can we have? How can these problems really find solutions? Well, in our reboot series, we're going back to the beginning. That's what Genesis means, beginnings. Because if we're going to address a problem or at least understand better the problems that humanity is facing, well, it's helpful to go back to the beginning to see, in one sense, how uh, humanity has been put together in the first place. If you're car breaks down or if your washing machine goes kaput you need someone to come in who understands how those things have been put together if you're going to have any hope of having them fixed and having the problems sorted so in the same way we're looking back at the beginning we're looking at God's intention for humanity and that's going to help us better understand the problems that we face even today you might say well Matt that that sounds, that sounds like a nice idea, but how is this passage going to help us? Because Genesis 11, this story, the Tower of Babel, it is a story that it seems a bit confusing and a bit surprising even. It kind of seems that there's these ancient people and that they're coming together to do something that seems quite nice. You know, they're coming together, being united and building a great tower. And it seems that God gets kind of intimidated by their show of strength and so he kind of comes out like a like an angry groundskeeper and says get off the grass and sort of scatters people away and he seems kind of harsh two things that are problematic here God doesn't seem very nice and secondly it seems that God's scattering and it says also that he confuses people's language and we think is that a, is that a punishment People being spread across the world with different languages and therefore different cultures. Is that part of God's judgment? Is that not a good thing? Well, we need to understand what's going on here in the context of the Bible story. And what we're going to see today is actually that what is happening at Babel is the opposite of God's intention for humanity. And that's why it's so problematic. What's God's, in, God's intention for humanity is actually, here's the big idea for today, actually dependence and diversity. That's what God wants for people. Dependence on him, relationship with him, relationship with God, and a humanity that is diverse and is spread across the world. That is God's intention for humanity. That is what flourishing looks like. And what we see in Babel is a rejection of that. It's an exercise in independence against God. And it's also they're constructing a city where the people are huddling together so that they won't be dispersed, fearful and suspicious of the outsider. And this is the, the human story. This is a human problem. This is what we do. This is what you and I do as well. We want to create something for our own name. We're all prone to build towers to ourselves, to put ourselves as the most important thing in life and build a tower to that end. And also, tempted and prone, you and I, to disparage others, to see others as inferior. But this big idea that stretched through the Bible is counted again and again. And then when we understand this, it's no surprise that we get to the teaching of Jesus 
in the gospel accounts. And when Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? What does God require of people? What what does Jesus say? He says, love God with all your heart. You're made for a relationship with him. And secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. We see this right there in the words of Jesus. So let's get into these two themes, dependence and diversity. So I've said that humanity is made for a relationship with God. But where does that come from? Well, it comes from right at the beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. There's some parallels in this passage from 11 that parallel to chapter 1. Because it says, let us go down and see what they've done. That parallels Verse 26 of Genesis 1, where God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God has made people, in a sense, in his likeness, so they can be like him and relate to him in a way. And when we come to this story of Babel, we think, well, what's, what's wrong with them building a tower? You know, doesn't that... Does God have no regard for human achievement? Is he intimidated by it? Well, no, what we're actually seeing here is something more significant than that. Buildings are emblematic. They symbolize something. They're not just neutral. They actually demonstrate the values in a society. You go to any culture, any nation, and look at what are the most impressive and important biggest buildings that there are. If it's a president's palace, that'll speak to you something of the power dynamics in that culture or in that nation. If the most impressive buildings are religious temples, again, that's going to tell you about the people and what they value. You go to a Western city and you see the great skyscrapers, perhaps. They're not just feats of engineering. No, it's the pursuit of wealth that has caused those buildings to go up into the sky. It speaks something about the culture. And so what about this tower Well, the scholarly consensus is that this tower was actually a Mesopotamian ziggurat, it was called. And actually, it's more like a sort of mountain-type tower that it's thought that the ancient Egyptians actually modelled their pyramids on, that kind of template, that kind of idea. And we even see in the text the purpose of this type of building. It says, we're going to build it up to the heavens. These buildings were thought to be a meeting place of people and the gods. What is happening here is the people, rather than living in dependence on the God of the Bible, the God who made them, they are building a spirituality for themselves. We're going to have spirituality. We're going to have gods on our own terms. and We're going to build our way up to get there. This building of a tower is an act of rebellion against, against God. Independence from him. We don't want the God of the Bible. We don't don't want to trust him. We'll have spirituality in our own way. Sounds similar to a city that I know. No, no, it's rejecting God. How does God respond? Well, God does come in judgment against them. In one sense, God is saying, by scattering them out, he's saying, well, if you want independence, I've made you for a relationship with me. But if you want independence from me, well, fine, have it. Have it. Go out. And in one sense, what we're seeing in Genesis 11 here is God disowning people, saying, actually, go out on your own then. And it's kind of like, you know, like a a rebellious teenager who grows up in a home and is constantly going against their parents' wishes. 
And it comes to a stage that parents say, well, now you're old enough. Okay, if you want independence from us, go. Go out. That's what's happening here. What does that speak of what God is like? Is God being harsh there? Is God just getting annoyed and saying, great, go out the door? Well, again, the context is so important. Here in Genesis 11, God's saying, right, you're out. But what happens in the very next chapter? And what we're going to be looking at through this reboot series. I'm going to give you a spoiler right here. Because in Genesis chapter 12, as soon as the people are out, God starts to enact his plan to bring them back to himself. That's what we see in Genesis 12. Because God says to one man, Abram, he said, you're going to be blessed. People didn't want my blessing, but I'm going to bless you. But what he also says, verse 3, all the families of the earth will also be blessed. As soon as they are out the door, God is bringing together a plan to bring them back in again, to win them by his love and by his mercy. Because that is what God is like. And that is what the story of the Bible is, his great story that even incorporates the rebellion and sinfulness of people like you and me who say to God, I don't want your rule and authority. I want my independence And that's my story as well. I want my independence from God. And he let me walk away. He let me walk down that path to see that it wasn't what I really needed. And then through one man, through Jesus Christ, you and I, he brings us back. He brings us back. He is the good father that brings us back to himself, back to the place that we're always made to be, living in relationship with him. That is what God is doing here, dependence on him. So I want to spend the rest of the time talking about diversity though. Dependence on God, but also diversity. Again, when we read this passage, story of the Tower of Babel, we think, well, you know, what's, are the people really doing something that, that is so wrong? You know, they're being united. Surely God likes unity. There's verses in the Bible about that. Isn't unity a good thing? Well, unity can be a good thing, but it's not always a good thing. I know from my uh, school teaching days that sometimes certain children have to be separated rather than united. Because if they were united, they would be bringing out the worst in each other. And that would not be good for them. It would not be good for the class. It wouldn't be good for me as a teacher or anyone. No, no, it depends what the intention of the person is, whether being united with others is going to be helpful or is going to be destructive. And we've seen that what the people were up to in this passage is evil intention, rebellion against God. And so when we read that verse that talks about how, you know, nothing is going to be impossible for them. It's not that God is saying, oh, they're going to be so great. It's actually what he's saying there is the depth of depravity that these people are going to get up to if they are united, this powerful force of unity. And it's in this direction away from God independence, evil intention, it's going to be so, so destructive. So it's actually God's intervention is justice, but it is also mercy as well by dividing them up, by separating, by spreading them out. Which leads us to this point of the way in which God does that, because that can be confusing as well. We think, well, he, seem, he confuses their language. Why does he do that? Okay, it's to separate them out. But does that mean that, that language difference and cultural difference and people being from different parts of the world, perhaps, is that, is that a bad thing? 
Well, again, let's see it in the right context. And the context, again, is Genesis chapter 1. What has God said for people to do and to be originally? In verse 28 of uh, Genesis 1, God says, it says this, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And interestingly, Joel mentioned this last week when we get to Genesis 9, where there is the flood that kind of God sets the off and on button uh, on humanity because things have got so bad. He said, you're going to start again with Noah and his family. And God says exactly the same thing to him as well. The very same words, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. This is what God wants. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. What we're seeing here is God is so committed to diversity amongst people, to spreading people out, to have difference amongst them. That he's saying, if you're not going to do this voluntarily, if I left to yourself, you're just going to huddle together and not going to be dispersed. If you're not going to do that voluntarily, I'm going to force you to it. I'm going to push you out. And that's, and that's what's happening in chapter 11 here. And so it's important that we realise that when he's talking about filling the earth, he's not just talking about multiplication in terms of more and more people, not just numerical. I want to make the case today that he's talking also about diversity, about difference. God is, the God of the Bible is a creator. But sometimes we underplay the fact that God is creative. And that actually diversity displays his glory, his creative glory, that he wants difference that shows just how creative and awesome God is. And perhaps a way of illustrating this is to focus on a few verses before in Genesis chapter 1. Because it's not just to people that God says, be fruitful and multiply. Have you ever noticed this before? In Genesis 1 verse 20, it says this, God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them and saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. What does this speak of? The creativity of God. I want to fill the world with all different kinds of animals. Do you know, people have identified 1.6 million species of animals in the world. 1.6 million species of animals. But actually it's estimated, it's estimated that we've not even actually discovered most of the animals yet and most of the species. That there could be close to 9 million species out there many of which are in the sea and we've not even got down to see them yet. What does that speak of God's creativity and God's love for diversity? The world doesn't have to be like that. Can you imagine if instead of millions and millions of different types of animals, there was just five. There was goldfish, Labradors, um, sparrows, haddock, cows. Imagine if that was it. What's in that field? Oh, it's just more cows. Oh, what's in the ocean? It's just haddock and goldfish. That's all there is. In one sense, it could have been like that. 
But God said, no, I want diversity. I want difference. I want to show just how glorious I am by creating so many different types of animals. God loves difference. God loves diversity. God loves this creativity, expression, artistic endeavor, beauty, wonder. These are all things that God created and God loves. And so when it comes to people and we hear the words, the same words of God saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And we talk about God creating different languages. It's the same idea. God loves diversity. God loves difference. And when we think of difficulties between people, from a biblical worldview, we have to hold on to this idea. No, no, the fact that you are different to me, that is good. That is intrinsically good because God made things that way. And if there's obstacles, we need to overcome those obstacles because difference is good and it reflects the glory of God. You see, the sin inside me wants to see that as a problem. But the grace of God to us is that those problems can be overcome to recognize the wonder and the glory in a diverse creation, a diverse people, diverse society. Our differences are not accidental. They're not incidental. They are wonderful and they are part of God's creative design for people. And in this passage, we see that language is just one expression of that, creating different languages. And again, even if we consider language, We might, okay, language can be a barrier between people. Yes, okay, but it's also can show just another example of God's creativity, different languages that express things in different ways and the wonder that there is in the world. Do you know that in Japanese, there's a word for the way that sunlight filters through the leaves of a tree. English people don't have a word for that. It's different, it's diverse, it's good, it's wonderful. Do you know that in Scandinavia, they have a word for the feeling of the warmth and the coziness of delightfully snuggled up in winter? Do you know in Russian, there is a word uh, for the way that the ice melts uh, in droplets of water as the spring comes and it drops off roofs and off trees. There's a word for that. God wants us to look around this world that he has made and see the different cultures, see the different people, see the different languages and think, isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing that he's created such difference that we can appreciate? When I was thinking about this language diversity, it made me think of the novel 1984, which, in which there's this Uh, totalitarian regime. And one of the things that they are working on in this dystopian uh, future idea is that they're working on a language that has restricted vocabulary and restricted grammar because they want to control people and they want to reduce the number of words to, to stop the sort of freedom of expression and prevent creativity. Language could be used like that. But that's opposite to what God has done and what God wants for the world. He wants difference. He wants diversity. He wants freedom of expression to express just how wonderful this created world that he has made truly is. And so that's what, when we understand that, we see Babel as the opposite of that. The people huddle together. We want just one tower, one city, one type of people. We don't want the outsiders. We want just us, one conformity. Now, 
That's not what God wants. And so he's got, no, I'm pushing you out. I'm pushing you away so that you can spread across the world and fulfill what I've called you to be. How do we know this is really what God wants? Well, we're in Genesis right now. Let's fast forward to the end of the Bible. And we see a wonderful picture of the future. Where's history going? Where's history going? We see it, a picture of it in Revelation chapter 7. And what is it? Let, me, let me read this to you. This is what the future is going to be like. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who is Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's where history is going. What is better than the whole world praising Jesus? What's better than that? What's better than that is the whole world praising Jesus in different languages. Because that in itself expresses the glory of God. And that's, that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. That's where the world is headed. And the church is to be a picture of that. To show that diversity but unity around Jesus. Because that we've been talking about Genesis. That's Revelation. What's in between? We've got the birth of the church in the beginning of the New Testament in Acts chapter 2. The church, and that's significant as well. What do we see? What we see is the gospel of going out to who? Different peoples, different languages. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers and they start speaking out and everyone, there's all languages, different cultures present and they can all understand Jesus. That's what God wants. He wants people to be gathered in, to be united, to be distinct, but to be united in him. <laughs> Friends, the... A Muslim would say the Quran can't be fully understood unless you understand in Arabic. It's got one language to it. But Jesus says, no, no, my gospel is going to go to all nations and all people groups and all languages. And then when that happens officially, I'll come back and that will be the end of history and into eternity at that point. Because I want all peoples to be distinct and different, but be united with knowing the truth of my love for them. Friends, this is a challenge to all of us and especially to us in the church because as I've said, all of us are prone to the sinful temptation to build towers to ourselves, yes, build a name for ourselves, yes, but also to stick with what is familiar to us, to see the problems in difference and play it safe or bias to our own type It's not what God has called us to. It's not what God wants for us. It's not the way of Jesus because Jesus said, love God, but love your neighbor as yourself as well. And that's the way of Jesus. He's come down. Jesus didn't build a tower to his own glory. No, he gave up the riches of his name in order to come down to the cross to die for sin. Jesus didn't hide in his city heavenly city. No, he came to us, to people like you and me, to redeem people like you and me, to save us, to change us, to bring us together, to establish this diverse church united in worship of him. 
Revelation 7 is not some pipe dream. That's where things are going. So it's a challenge for us to say, well, we need to get on board. We need to get on board with what God is doing. To see that those who are different than us, what an opportunity to show the overcoming grace of Jesus and embrace difference. Seeing diversity as a good thing is part of who we are. Friends, we've got a way to go on this. But we can take steps. God is calling us to more, to embrace one another, to build relationship and be the diverse people that he has called us to be. Amen.